Hello and welcome to the Integrated Creativity Podcast. My name is Eli Tatsu and I am your host. In this space, I will be exploring the physical, the cognitive, the emotional and the spiritual dimensions of the creative practice and the creative process. And my aim is to highlight and celebrate the multitudes of joy, of challenge and of surrender that inhabit the lands of making. I am delighted that you're here. This is the first season, so let's dive in. Hello and welcome to the second episode of this podcast. Before I begin today, I would like to say a very big thank you for all the feedback that you have sent my way and all your thoughts that you shared after the release of the first episode and the beginning of this new project for me. It's really interesting to work with audio. This is what I've been thinking because it's the very first time that I actually cannot see what I'm making. And I hope that through these audio waves, we can connect in a new fruitful way, regardless of where we are, and explore this new way of connecting. I know that some of you have listened and tuned in from Australia, from Mexico, from the States. And it just gives me so much joy to know that We could do that. We can do this today. And I'm broadcasting from London. I'm based in England right now. But it also gives me hope in a way to know that using this platform and this medium, we can now share these ideas and initiate these dialogues that I'm actually very deeply passionate about. So thank you for sending me your thoughts and your constructive feedback and all the input on the things that I discussed on the first episodes and I hope we can keep on going and we can keep on discussing and exchanging ideas and thoughts on these matters of creativity and curiosity. And lastly I would like to respond to a couple of things that I was asked quite a lot the last couple of weeks after the release of the trailer and the introductory episode of this podcast. The first question had to do with whether this podcast is also going to basically suggest tips and tricks or practical ways to integrate creativity and to work around this, let's say, approach. And although this is not a lecture and this is not a course of some sorts, I hope that the things that I will be discussing here are going to be, let's say, a roadmap or a pathway through which you could look again at your processes, look again at your practices and see how you could reevaluate maybe or readjust or relax even within those uncharted waters you are trying to navigate when making something new. And my hope is that it can it can be inspiring in some way to look at, you know, what you have in front of you with fresh eyes. So this is not a workshop and there are not going to be episodes where I will be like pointing towards very specific, let's say, directions. But I hope that the specific things that I will be sharing here can be a starting point. And then I hope that with your own imagination and your own history and heritage, you can just make a new blend and make something that's totally your own after, you know, having processed and seen and adapted to these references let's say that you're going to find here I'm going to because I love research so much myself I will try to give as much as possible when it comes to findings and hopefully these are going to be matching 
the place where you are and the things that you are doing in some way at this moment in time. Now, the other thing that I was asked a couple of times, and I thought it was a fun, like behind the scenes type of question, is whether this is scripted. And actually, it's not scripted. I'm trying to go with the flow and I'm trying to just follow the moment and see how my thought process unfolds. Obviously, I do have an outline of the things I would like to state, but um, yeah, up to now, I've been trying to just follow the moment and see where and how my stream of consciousness unfolds and how my, let's say, different things and bits and pieces of experiences and memories I have formed choose to come forward and make it to this story. Right, so now we can dive in and explore the main idea, the very first, let's say, concept that I would like to share with you as part of integrated creativity unfolding within this space. So here's my suggestion. I think that creativity needs a sense of wonder present in our hearts and in our minds and in our physical surroundings in order to be able to be cultivated and admired for what it is and also to thrive. And the concept of creativity thriving and being allowed the freedom and the space is very important as part of this discussion on integrated creativity. The reason why I'm saying that is because we do need to feel safe in order to expand. And as soon as that is established, then we are encouraging this expansion more and more day by day. Now, to come back to wonder, I would like to state a couple of things about it. You might be wondering how I am defining wonder or what kind of definition I have chosen for the purposes of, let's say, this conversation. And obviously, I will start from a sense of awe and a sense of marvel towards the physical world and towards existence and towards life as is. And then I will also take this a step further and suggest that the idea of feeling wonder towards the things that are unknown and possibly unseen or yet unseen is very important or equally important as well. And I will now add a, th a third layer that I also consider extremely significant and that is wonder towards the things that are unknowable. And with that I mean the things that potentially can never be known. So these might be things that fall out, out of reach at least yet, for the human mind and the human cognition. Now, all of these create a sense of, obviously, awe and a sense of marvel and a sense of admiration. And that's the very first, let's say, response towards the surprising qualities that surround us. But then what they, the essence that's behind that and what this whole, I guess, approach does is that at the end of the day, there is a sense of belonging and a sense that we are home within this space, within this earth, on this earth. We are home at this time and that at the, I guess, next stage of realization brings, I feel, a really coherent and a really solid sense of purpose. And it might not be a purpose that is ready to be declared as such but I feel and I've seen it and I've felt it myself and I've read about it and I've had conversations about it I feel that this sense of purpose is essentially a humble acknowledgement that 
our voice matters and our creativity matters and that there is agency in that voice and that there is agency in that creativity. I know that this might sound as if it's like quite a lot to grasp at once, but if I am to simplify what I just said, I'll just say that what I figured that wonder does is that it gives space to creativity and not just that, but it also eliminates worry because the, let's say, the dynamic with which it comes in and the dynamic with which it allows expression is enough, that dynamic is enough to override any kind of anxiety or any kind of doubt that might be there trying to, let's say, interfere <laughs> with an honest openness or sense of openness within one's self, but also within the world. So my point is that we need wonder to be in touch with her creativity and we need our creativity to be rooted in a sense of wonder as a state of being and as a quality of presence and as a quality of thought and as a quality of feeling. You might have personal experience of this and you might be able to recall memories or different, let's say, instances where you realize that your creativity indeed thrived within that context. And if that's not something that immediately pops, you know, and comes to you in your mind, I'd like to invite you to spend a few moments at some point today or later to reflect on how wonder or what kind of, let's say, role wonder plays in your creative process. Where do you see it? Do you see it somewhere? Have you felt it being there as a, let's say, a force that has driven your actions and your motifs? Have you sensed that wonder contributes to your adventure side within the creative realm? And if so, could you define what was essentially the atmosphere that it created and what was the outcome that it produced. Now, you might be thinking that this is completely unknown territory for you and you might not even know where to begin. What I would like to suggest is a couple of things that I found. I mean, it's maybe a repetitive pattern of thought that seems to appear across different documentations of people talking about wonder and creativity. A lot of them seem to have asked similar questions that go something like this what is sacred to you or another one is do you trust life these types of questions they're open-ended fully you know um, welcoming to any kind of feedback and any kind of response and any kind of format of response but what they do is that I feel initiate essentially a sense of intimacy with oneself and a sense of tenderness, that's the word, a sense of tenderness that you could or one could use in order to approach their inner worlds. They serve as really beautiful and wonderful starting points. And most of the times they do give back a lot of feedback and juicy feedback. I would like to share a little story that shaped my own understanding of wonder and not just that it also helped solidify the relationship between wonder and creativity 
it's not related to the arts and it's not related to photography, but it kind of it kind of does make sense within the world of image making in a way. So you might already be familiar with Carl Sagan, the American astronomer who worked in the 60s and the 70s for NASA, amongst a million other things that he has created. But I'd like to say a story about him and about Voyagers, which are a couple of spaceships that he helped launch in 1977 with the intention of them traveling outwards from the Earth towards the vastness of the universe. I firstly came across Voyagers through a mini music clip, I think it was a music clip, that I found on Vimeo by an artist who had used a song by the Magnetic Fields, the Book of Love, on top of different kind of found footage about the Voyagers as a project and about the Voyagers being launched out there. And the Voyagers, obviously, as an achievement, as an idea, is a brilliant one. But there is an added layer to this, let's say, mission. And that's the Golden Records. Again, you might have heard of the Golden Records. In case you haven't, I will just very briefly describe here what they are. The Golden Records are two phonograph records. They look like golden vinyls, really, that have been included on board the two Voyager spacecrafts. And they contain different sounds and images selected from the scientists and the team of NASA in order to portray the life on Earth for whoever comes across the spacecrafts and is able to, you know, find the records and decode them to read them. I thought when I firstly came across this idea, I just, I mean, this project, I could not believe that it has actually happened. I thought it was an idea. But the more I was looking into the project and what has been selected and what has been included, the more my sense of wonder for life and for existence and for, you know, this sense of interconnectedness with the other humans, the other humans, not just now that they live my contemporaries, let's say, but also humans that came before me and they've existed before me. All these feelings were heightened and the more I was engaged with that kind of, let's say, research, the more I was feeling my curiosity picking and the more I wanted to go back to my work and try to create. I felt that the Voyagers were an exceptional and an excellent demonstration of human creativity and of the brilliance, let's say, of human thought. It is such a kind act and it's such a generous gesture to create something like that and send it outwards from here outwards with a hope that someone will find it someone will be looking for it someone will find it and someone will use it to potentially connect with us it was totally mind-blowing for me I loved it and for this reason I spent numerous hours again <laughs> looking into the details of the golden records the contents and if you take the time to do so yourselves you're going to see that they're, you know, bits and pieces of different segments or fragments of how life looks like here, from Chinese songs to babies crying to pictures of people drinking water to clips of animals and elephants and 
it's just, I mean, I can keep on going, but it's just mind-blowing. So it's worth checking out. And I'm mentioning this particular project here because I feel that and this particular story that was very significant for me to ignite this sense of wonder and to kind of also remind me of wonder again and again anytime I would I would feel stuck. I would just go back to Carl Sagan and his work <laughs> and the Cosmos series that's available for free on YouTube and it's really worth seeing. And the reason why I'm mentioning this story, this personal experience of mine, this personal encounter with, let's say, actual tangible felt wonder is because it did awaken me and it did provide a ground so that I could reflect on the sacredness of things and it gave me the space, it gave me the invitation to really answer for myself whether I, I trust life and whether I trust everything that this world has to offer. And with these sweet treats in my bag, it pushed me to go back to my work and see how I could use this material and how I could use this starting ground so that I could keep on creating and informing my process and my practice with more awe and more thirst. I would be very curious to hear how your own contemplations on wonder and creativity sound like and feel like. And before I roll on to the next, let's say, chapter of this podcast, I'd like to share something that Alan Watts has said, that we come out of this world like leaves on a tree rather than into this world, which means that we are part of this. We are part of the fabric that makes this world what is. So from that standpoint, my question to you is, what makes you marvel at what we have in front of us? And how does this infuse your practice? How does this inform your process? How does this define your creativity? You might have already noticed the title of this episode, In Search of the Oceanic Feeling, and you might be wondering what the oceanic feeling is and what it means. And this is a good moment to share with you where it comes from as a term or as a phrase. It has been actually coined to writer Romain Roland, who supposedly mentioned this phrase to in a letter to Sigmund Freud in 1927. It is supposed to refer and to mean a sense of, let's say, oneness with the world. The oceanic feeling is that feeling that one experiences when there is a sense of eternity and a sense of absolute intimate connectedness to the world around them. We might also say that the oceanic feeling can be present when one feels in community with a collective or in a relationship or with family, but not in, let's say, a very literal way. I would like, I guess, here to think about this symbolically and in metaphors. It's a beautiful state, again, of being, this one, and it's closely tied to the concept of wonder. And I'm bringing this to the table because I feel that it's also really tightly connected to the creative act and to creativity. Actually, even more so to integrated creativity. And let me very quickly remind you that within this approach, there are 
in my mind four pillars that hold all of this together. Every time that I'm attempting to think of creativity, I'm looking, I'm called to look onto four areas, the body, the mind, the heart and the spirit. I'm highlighting this again because it's important to try, I guess, to establish the holistic framework through which integrated creativity happens. And I know that this type of conversation is maybe a little bit different to other conversations about creativity, but I feel that there is a lot to be said around the importance of a more, let's say, whole way and wholehearted way of looking at the creative process and the creative practice. And since this is my passion and this is my study and this is my work, I will be essentially reminding you again and again and inviting you also again and again to be coming into these contemplations with everything that you have. I usually like to say that it's all about bringing our whole selves to work and now I'm essentially also inviting you to be bringing your whole selves to these contemplations, to this discussion that we are initiating here. Right, now I'm going to jump back to the oceanic feeling and I'm going to expand, I'm going to expand it towards, let's say, two or three directions by sharing a couple of things that I've read and I've found that basically justify its importance and how it is really a recurring theme and quest amongst people who are engaged with the creative act. You might have already actually pointed out that there are quite a lot of concepts of Zen Buddhism or you might be sensing that there is, let's say, a big influence that comes from Zen into this kind of conversations and this is actually true. And although my personal research is not specified or specific to Zen Buddhism, I am acknowledging it here and now because it is indeed a useful framework to keep in mind while we continue these discussions. I'm going to talk a bit about a couple of people whose work I have really enjoyed and whose work has also influenced my upbringing and my way of looking at things. They're not photographers, and as I've said again, they're not necessarily directly, let's say, talking about photography, but they are creating images through words and through everything else that, you know, they touch and they, they work with. The first one is Jack Kerouac, the writer, the American writer. He talks about the oceanic feeling without naming it as such, but I think the essence of what he's talking about is exactly the same. And I find it really mind-blowing to see how different people interpret the same concept and the same core idea. And he is actually quite amazing with words, so this might be worth sharing at this moment. So he writes, I have loads of things to teach you now in case we ever meet concerning the message that was transmitted to me under a pine tree in North Carolina on a cold winter moonlight night. It said that nothing ever happened, so don't worry. It's all like a dream. Everything is ecstasy inside. We just don't know it because our thinking minds. But in our true blissful essence of mind is known that everything is all right forever and forever and forever. Close your eyes, let your hands and nerve ends drop, stop breathing for three seconds, listen to the silence inside the illusion of the world, 
and you will remember the lesson you forgot, which was taught in immense Milky Way soft clouds innumerable worlds long ago, and not even at all. It is all one vast awakened thing. I call it the golden eternity. It is perfect. The reason why I'm reading this here is because I feel that it encapsulates so perfectly something that we can feel and we can sense when we achieve a sense of flow in the creative process. And I think that if you've ever attempted to do something with your hands or with your, you know, with your body and you've attempted to step into the unknown territories of creation and you've even for a second or a millisecond have achieved to be in the zone where the thinking mind is not taking over, you felt that kind of synchronicity and synchronization with everything that is alive and everything that has ever been alive. You have most probably sensed or glimpsed how it feels to be one with everything that's out there. And this is something I'd like to remind you with this episode. This is something that most of the times we might not be talking about enough I feel because it's intimidating and it's extremely personal and it's very tender and it's very intimate. I'm using these words a lot, I think, in this episode, but I guess I'm, I, I crave to talk about this intimacy of creating, especially when someone is attempting to do something that exposes a vulnerable side of themselves or makes possible or manifests an idea into tangibility if that word even exists into something tangible into something that actually now takes space in here and you might be thinking the stakes seem to be quite high and I will reframe and I would try to essentially redefine what the stakes are if we are looking at there for the oceanic feeling in our practices and in our processes what we are attempting to do is basically converse with the cosmos and really own and really acknowledge the time that we have while we are here. I think, and to bring this conversation back to creativity, I think that this is very powerful and this can happen when one embraces their creativity. And I think that this is the gift that creativity gives to people. And this is why I feel that we should be talking more about that. There is a sense of oneness and with that there comes a very deep sense of compassion and there comes a very deep sense of respect and a very deep sense of sacredness for the world, for the people, for the planet. And there is also something to be said about the personal mental health and personal well-being of each and every one of us. I feel that creativity sometimes or most of the times comes kind of tied in with the concept of the struggling artist or the struggling mind however I feel that this suggestion here or this prism through which we can look at creativity through that scope of the golden eternity or through the scope of the oceanic feeling or through the scope of wonder which is I guess the underlying principle across all these concepts what we could do here is zoom out and reevaluate and connect the practice with something that's bigger than ourselves and I feel that that what it does is that it liberates the process from a sense of victimization 
I, as I'm saying that, this phrase came to my mind by the Persian poet Rumi that says, out and beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. And that, again, ties nicely to me right now as I'm going with the flow and trying to bring all these elements together to the concept of essentially surrendering and being in the moment and acknowledging the power that this has. And I completely understand if something like that seems huge or even intimidating to achieve and to even lean towards. And I will argue that it actually is. It doesn't come easy. It doesn't feel easy. It might make us explore sides of ourselves that we haven't even attempted looking at. And it might feel extremely fragile. But what's the magic here is that all of these things come together with a, a greater sense of courage. And the more that is amplified, the more daring our whole presence becomes. This will undoubtedly manifest in the creative work that we produce. And as I'm saying that, I'm thinking of the etymological definition of the word human in my native language Greek, which is anthropos. It originates from these two separate words, ano and throsko, which means the one who is looking up. And yes, this does refer to the ability that humans have to look at the sky, to look at the stars and realize that there is something bigger than ourselves that exists out there. It is this stardom above us that invites us to a greater mystery. It is the stargazing process. It is our ability to lift our heads above the ground and look at something that's abstract and huge and full of potential and ask the question, what is it? And most probably you've guessed it right. A question like that is usually being followed with something like, who am I and what am I doing here? So I'm mentioning that because I realize and I know from my experience as well that it can be a bit overwhelming to start contemplating all these big questions. And it might also feel as if there is so much to consider and so little time that one most probably will feel that they don't know where to start and they don't know what should be the first step and how will all of that at the end of the day manifest into a creation that's totally their own. And that's all very valid considerations. They're all very valid points. I would like to suggest a couple of things here so that I can tie this conversation back to integrated creativity. Obviously, now we've opened and extended and expanded this tab towards something that's much greater than one's own and one's personal space and one's personal creation. We're talking about a bigger kind of room here. But let me say that this is the point. This is what wonder can do. This is what I mean when I'm talking about correcting our sense of scale. This is what I mean when I invite you to look up. And also, this is what I am intending to communicate by tying wonder to creativity. And I like to say, and I like to invite you to imagine the oceanic feeling that I talked about just before as literally the way you feel when you are floating, swimming, 
being amidst a huge body of water. I'm sure that it is wonderful to be there, but at the same time that it is wonderful, I bet that it feels a bit intimidating as well. The ocean is huge. The ocean is vast. The ocean is a force that is much greater than us. But in that realization of our, let's say, position within it, of our relationship with it, in our interconnectedness with it, in our sameness with it, is where the magic happens and is allowed to unfold. I'm arguing that we need this discomfort at times, we need this overwhelm at times, we need this healthy dose of mystery and mysticism combined with everything else that forms our rational reality in order to dive deeper into a sense of creativity that holds together the opposites, that combines and thrives because of the contrasts. And what an exercise that is, even as a contemplation. The whole concept of the invincible summer that Albert Camus has talked about comes to my mind right now. He talks about inner strength found in the midst of chaos. He talks about love found in the midst of hate. He talks about an invisible summer within him found in the midst of winter. And he also talks about how happy he is when he knows that as much as the world pushes against him, he knows that he has the ability, the power, the strength to push right back. I'm not reading this, I'm recalling it, but I will link to it. So you could have a really, let's say, gentle introduction to what this text is about and what his point is about. But let me let me come back to the original idea to say that I feel that anything truthful, anything fruitful is most of the times a stem of some kind of union. And this is my invitation here. This is my suggestion. And this is my final point at this moment in the podcast. Don't think that wonder will only work one way. Don't think that the oceanic feeling is only going to lead you towards one direction. Don't think that creativity is one-sided. Don't think that you need only the things that you can understand and the things that are easily within your reach. Be prepared for the vastness. Be prepared for the mystery. Be prepared for your heart to be requested to be wide open and your eyes even more so and your mind even more so. <laughs> it takes a lot of courage, I know. But my point here is that creativity is an act of becoming. And your very own creative forces, the ones that live deep within your being, will come at some point and embrace you and ask you to show the world the most inquisitive, the most daring version of who you really, truly are. And if you say yes, I think that the ocean awaits you. So thank you very much for tuning in today as well. I hope you found here something that has sparked questions or some kind of contemplations. I would love again to receive your feedback know that you can voice message me with a question or anything that you would like to share 
and there is also the possibility of me addressing this publicly in the next episode. I would be thrilled to hear from you wherever in the world you are. It gives me so much joy to know that you are in different places of the world right now as you listen to this while I am in England. And finally, if you have been enjoying this work and integrated creativity, I would be delighted to know how you are implementing the things that inform you from these episodes, how you talk about this with your friends, with your fellow practitioners. If you share the word, let me know what kind of things come up for you as you further work with these concepts and as you further embrace them and implement them. I'm looking forward to seeing you in the next episode. For now, and as I always like to say, keep showing up and keep showing up with everything that you've got, with your heart open, with your mind open, with your body ready, with your spirit welcoming. I hope that in your own search for that oceanic feeling, you find joy in the process of looking for it and embracing it and embodying it. And also I wish you that the joy found in the moment becomes a joy forever in your creative process and in your creative practice as it grows and unfolds with you.